before we start, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land I'm recording the podcast on, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. Welcome back to episode 14 of the Isolate Show. You survived uh, a week back in lockdown if you're a Victorian. Uh, well done. There's only five to go. Five more weekends, I guess. Um, and we're spiking, but it's like we're kind of still in that zone of working out whether it's um, going to spike significantly or whether it's going to peter out. So it's the uh, it's the telling moment. It's the judgment time, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, we were going to catch up in person, Goxie and I, and uh, I was looking forward to having him around to do the podcast, but we got slapped with the lockdown a few days before recording this. So thankfully, Coxie was pretty happy to still have a chat over the phone. And uh, we got to the we got to the heart of Aaron Gox to some degree. Uh, for those who don't know Goxie, go and um, go and do some YouTube work and and watch a bit of his stuff. Um, he's a writer, an actor, uh, and a comedian known for his work on lots of different projects, but most notably at the moment, ABC's um, At Home Alone Together, which is currently airing on uh, free-to-air or iview. Uh, and also Goxie's Australia, which Vice put out, um, in which Goxie goes around to different classic confectionery company factories and um, chats about how different uh, iconic confectionery of Australia is produced and what it means and it's very very funny and Goxie's classics which is probably one of my favorites where Goxie reprises the role of uh, classic 90s tv characters uh, including Bronson from Round the Twist and John Wood from Blue Heelers uh, he's made appearances on True Story with Hamish and Andy. Uh, you've probably seen him pop up in tons of other great Australian TV, uh, even the XPM and a lot of Auntie Donna stuff as well. Uh, he's known for his deeply Australian larrikin persona, which he plays up sometimes and tones back others. And it would seem... It's closer to the real Aaron Gox than many would think, maybe maybe what I expected as well. Uh, and I've been struck by how many people I know that also know Goxie that say he's the real deal when describing him. And it's a big cliche, but it's pretty true. I think even just from the hour I spent chatting to him, I realised that there is no pretentiousness there is no kind of um layer of uh of um performance over the top of goxie when he's being goxie um and he shares some uh nuggets of wisdom that he's picked up along the years of coming up uh, as a comedian and looking back on his career as well to this point uh you can go and check out Goxie and Ben Searle's podcast, I'm All Ears, which is coming out weekly and has some great guests on it. I, I really li like listening to a lot of the um, band guests that they get in. Uh, so hope you're doing well and I hope you enjoy this um, conversation uh, trying to understand who the real Aaron Gox is. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. We're um, kind of been stuffed around by these lockdowns now, so just yeah, adjusting to that. Everything's just shaken up, really. 
Are you um, Ballarat's totally free from all that sort of crap, isn't it? Yeah, like it is, but it's still just living, kind of expecting. You never know they're going to change things or add regional Vic to it as well, you know, and also uh, I guess not being able to come to Melbourne too is shakes things up. You know, I, I was I had a few, um, I was supposed to be doing a few podcast apps on Saturday in Melbourne and we've canned that. So Yeah, and we were going to catch up in the flesh, but we've got to do it over the phone. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was one of them. <laughs> yeah, so. Are you going to keep doing podcasts with phone call stuff or are you going to have to have a break from it? Yeah, I think we'll have a break. I just prefer doing in person. Yeah. So, yeah, probably just have a break. Hopefully this can get to the end of it at some point. <laughs> I've been... um. Yeah, I've been absolutely thrashing your podcast. I really dig it, especially. Oh, uh, and I never realised that you were such a big fan of nineties, um, like punk rock and and actually good bands that are kicking around Melbourne, like Private Function and Clowns yeah. and yeah. So yeah, it's, well, yeah. I guess the thing with that is kind of like, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'd, I do. I do want it to to really. Um, keep making stuff, but I'd rather do it because it was enjoying it, you know, not just do it to keep it going and and do it via calls or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I don't know. It was a little, it's a work in progress. We'll talk about it. And the vibe, I think the vibe of doing it face to face is heaps better anyway than over the phone. Not that there's, yeah, yeah. Not, that, not that there's anything wrong with this vibe. By the way, this is fine. This is great. <laughs> Um, have you been stuffed, has much else been stuffed around for you because you can't come to Melbourne? Um, well, I guess it's like you lose the stuff, like a little bit you lose that you know of, but then there's always that in your mind, like, oh, was there stuff that people might have booked you in for that they're not sort of thing as well, if that makes sense? Just, know, do sense. you mean just like actually being there and being seen and sort of being there when an opportunity pops up or? Yeah, yeah. But also, yeah, and I did lose actual, I had people booked in for like private gigs and stuff and, um, yeah, even just not, not being able to do the the podcast as well. So Have you been able to yeah. do like any, um, do you do any of those uh, like Zoom stand-up sets or anything like that? I've seen a few people do. Uh, a little bit, yeah. There's been a bit of that, um, yeah. And there's there's a few things like that, but but I much prefer like in person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Are the vi- is the vibe a bit weird over Zoom for stand up stuff? Yeah, well, I did a few shows that because the first lockdown, I lost all the comedy festivals. So I had oh. like Melbourne was a big one, and yeah. then. There's a few others around the country too, Brisbane, Sydney, Perth. So lost heaps of shows, about 40 all up, and then did a few online, like reenacted it, what I was going to do. It was it was basically like a, um, you know, those talk shows and like Letterman, Leno, Conan O'Brien, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, the idea was on stage, I'm sitting there at a desk, got the guests there. So it's, it was basically the look of it as well, so you kind of lose that online. Yeah, yep. I did. I did a few from home, and it was okay. Felt a bit weird, and obviously, yeah, you don't hear anyone, you don't hear any laughter or anything. <laughs> so it's pretty brutal. You just got to back yourself a bit and like assume that people are liking it. So whereas live, yeah, when when you're live and like you can hear laughter, that energy really feeds off, you know. Yeah, and it's just absolutely fucking dead on a Zoom call. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I actually, I'm. We got. A, I got a mutual friend in um, Jay Morrissey, um, and Jay was um, getting me to do some work for him recently on um, like a series bible for Emu War. Oh yeah. And I saw your um, I saw your face pop up on a on a uh, one of the, the cast members in that um what's the what's the story of emu war what's what's the go there did you do a you did a, a sort of pilot for that 
Yeah, so a couple of years ago, it was up near um, Bendigo. I think Jay's parents have a property there and we used that. It was pretty cool. Like, you know, proper Victorian countryside. You had like creeks and hills and all that. Yeah, it was cool. And dressing up old, as old soldiers and stuff. So, yeah, there's a bit of fake, fake blood and stuff. But, yeah, um, that was basically – it was put out, presented like a, a trailer – sort of like a movie trailer sort of thing, you know, like coming soon, that sort of classic thing. The good thing about our relationship is the loyalty that we have. We have bad news, Private. Your wife's been identified as a spy working for the emus. You're wrong. You're so wrong. I might suffer from asperges, but I don't suffer from cowardice. Uh, yeah, that was a couple of years ago, and then nothing more kind of was heard of that for a while and then um i think a few months ago i think they'd been uh pitching pitching it to sort of some filming organizations and stuff so yeah they got that so but then obviously all the all this stuff that's happened this year this might have delayed a bit I, I don't know i went along to they had a um like a script reading where they every character reads out their script so i went along to that which was quite fun yep um so yeah, it was like a lot of projects you you just wait to hear when you need it or, or when they want you. So yeah, I'm just waiting to hear on that. But um, it's an exciting project, you know. Is it kind of shit you're having to wait for the call of others to sort of you know kick off or start or you know whether you whether you've got work or not work or like do you sort of get frustrated by projects like oh, that, that? You've got to just yeah, wait. Yeah, totally. Like. I've done so many different jobs over the years. I, I, I've never been qualified in anything, so I've just, you know, whatever whatever, whatever I can do to get by sort of thing, a lot of anything that's kind of unqualified, a lot of labouring, warehouse work. I was even a taxi driver for a bit. Um, but the, so with that sort of work, it's kind of, it's you're not doing what you love, but it's it's more instant. Like, you know, you get the job, do it. Yep. Get paid, sort of thing. Whereas the flip side to this is entertainment, arts, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're doing something you enjoy or love more, but it does have that that twist on it where you there's waiting, there's getting green lights from different levels of people. You know, like one person can be keen on it, then they give it to their superior, and it might get the thumbs down or you don't know things like that. And then also, um, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting working on, um, with multiple levels of things too. Yeah. Because there you're relying on different people. So anything can happen along the way. And even when I make stuff, there's kind of, sometimes there's like a wait for it to be released or I had this thing last week. It was just this photo shoot. And it was from years ago, and and they were like, "Yep, yeah, it's ready now." <laughs> so that was like, yeah. Um, and can you use any of those photos now, or is it just totally irrelevant? Yeah, I put one up. It was actually last week with um on my put on my like social media pages um because we're with an American comedian Eric Andre. Oh and, yeah, um, yeah. It was crazy because it was it was from December 2016 the photo shoot, and then last week the photographer. Emails me and it's like, yeah, you can use it now. I, I don't know what the backstory was, why it was delayed, but what were you doing with Eric Andre? Well, it was that was the funny thing. It was crazy because it was like I don't, I didn't know any detail about it. I just got asked to be in it, and it was like with all these like plus size models, and we're all in the nude, <laughs> and he was like standing above us. Yeah, so it was like, and the, and the weird thing about having that in your mind for the years like and i told a couple of people but it's it sounds like you're you're not telling the truth you yeah, know yeah. like it's like yeah yeah i swear it's gonna come out yeah <laughs> and you're probably wondering too like if if you've actually remembered it correctly and if it's going to come out if it's going to be horrible or if it's actually well, yeah like good. it's like anything like you make it you hope people like it. Well, I was going to say like anything compared to sports. When sports are a bit different. You go out there, play, hope you perform well or something. The difference with filming and things is, yeah, you make it, 
it's recorded and then it goes away, like editors work on it and things and, yeah, and then it comes out and you hope people like it. Has it ever come back? Has something ever come back from all that, like the production side of things and you've just gone, oh, shit, like this is no good? Um, <laughs> it might have. I, I'm working on different ways over the years to deal with sort of mental uh, yeah. mental health, so pushing suppressed memories away. So I can't think of anything at this moment, but I think like uh, I'll probably try and push them to the back of my head sort of thing, you know? <laughs> Do you, that's you know a, what I mean, where you learn different ways to deal with things? Yeah, that's a really um, good technique. Yeah, well, like, and not even in a professional way. Like, I haven't had psychologists help me or anything, but just, like, work out my own sort of ways of dealing with things. Yeah, that's a I, – I might have – I'll take some of that on board, actually. So you can do that for traumatic stuff or any kind of um, – Yeah. But issues. even, like, I've had to kind of learn to deal with emotions, like exactly what we were talking about with projects and things being delayed because – you get something offered to you and years ago I used to like kind of picture myself like I've got it sort of thing and, and I had to learn to like it's a bit of a sad way to live life but not not think of something's over the line until it actually is happening sort of thing because there's so many things that just kind of uh, fizzle out. Yeah. yeah, so many reasons to get your hopes up and then it sort of doesn't eventuate. Yeah, totally. Um, Getting back to sort of learning to deal with um, things not working out and um, bad experiences and just pushing them to the back of your mind. Um, do you ever have any fear that um, you'll sort of push stuff back too much and then all of a sudden it'll um, come out in a, in a negative way? Oh, uh, well, like, I, I think, like, I know what you mean, but there is kind of yeah, like facing up to things and, and dealing with them and that can help. But also, yeah, just because sometimes it's just like that thing happened for some reason and it was out of your, your control, you know, so it's best to just kind of yeah, not yeah. think about it. Yeah. And, and and not blame yourself for it, just accept it. Yeah. And and a big part of performing and stuff is, is confidence and, and backing yourself. So you don't want to think too much about to think back to like a, a thing where you, you think you didn't do it well or didn't do good, you know? Yeah, yeah. In case it kind of affects the next thing you do and busts your confidence a little bit. Yeah, totally. Have you found that like learning from like obviously because like I'm guessing comedy and working in like creative fields, the long game for you, like you're obviously doing it because you love it. Has it taught you lessons that you sort of – um can apply to the rest of your life? Yeah, like, I guess just being humble and that's – so I learned to kind of over the years work out that this act I have is I, – I think it's good or whatever, but I don't expect everyone to, and I think that's a good way just to live your life in general. Like, and I've, I've really opened up to – trying to see things from people's point of view and yep. empathize with people's situations and things like that. So it's like, I think that kind of carries over from comedy a little bit because yeah, in one way I'm not like, this is funny. Everyone should love it. Yep. You know, I'm more open to everyone can see things from their own point of view, you know? Did you used to think, like before you had that sort of realisation, did you used to be a sort of person that was like, you know, why doesn't everyone like this? Why doesn't everyone yeah. like me kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. I think um, – and that's – I think that's part of being young too, a little bit of arrogance and I was kind of like um, – and, and and like when you're starting to, you come up through, through scenes I think in a lot of different industries and genres and so you've got that kind of like – why isn't this scene noticing me sort of thing or why am I getting getting that gig or this this gig or, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I know exactly what you mean. 
Yeah, and then and then it's it's almost like a little bubble, and you get out of that. You're just like that. Oh man, that was such a small bubble I was in. There's a whole whole world out there, and I think that's when I was putting my own stuff out online and that, and getting a bit of interest. It showed that like I don't have to rely on this local scene, you know, sort of. And I know that sounds a bit nasty. I don't mean it in a nasty way. No, I know what you mean. It's, yeah, it's you, more just like you're not going to let more, them dictate what you do. Yeah, but not even in a nasty way, just kind of like, well, that's their gig. They can book who they want. If if they're not into my style, that's fine. But you don't see it from that point of view when you're coming through like the first couple of years. It's just like a lot of like looking at looking at gig lineups and like, oh, I'm better than him or, you know, yeah. that sort of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I absolutely. It's the same as playing in bands as well. You're just like. Yeah, how did they get that? Or, yeah, and, yeah. and you see like. They must know someone. It, yeah, and, and when the international band comes over, and it's, oh, how did they get that support? You know, <laughs> or I bet they just know the, the manager or the venue or whatever. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that snob, snobbiness sort of stuff. And then the best feeling is, is getting your own fan base and you don't have to think about that stuff, you know? Do you ever, when, because you, you're pretty established now. Do you, and, and I think there's probably like you've got a lot of opportunities and done a lot of work that people would look at you and, and be like, Oh man, Goxie's killing it and and getting some sick gigs, like getting to do some stuff for Vice and getting to you know just even having really um, massive viewership on YouTube as well. Like, do you ever kind of think um, how the tables have turned somewhat from from Goxie coming up to Goxie now? Yeah, well, like that's kind of like that's the sort of thing I was talking about where when you're coming through starting out, you've got to rely on kind of getting onto people's gigs and, and whatever. And so you're relying on someone to sort of, you hope that they pick you or like you or whatever. And then it does kind of, like you said, it flips around a bit where it's, you're the one that's people want you on their thing. So, but there's still like we talked about earlier where there's still a lot of kind of, People don't see all this for for that one that gets through. There was a few others that fizzled out. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. For Not sure. Not that I'm complaining, but I'm just saying that's the reality of it. Is yeah, of course. Someone, the public might see, like, oh, he's he's had two or three things now with a few different channels, and you don't know about the stuff that fizzled out or yeah, or yeah, and to get to that point, yeah. Can you be stoked on what you've done so far, or are you still like yeah, it super is, hungry? Like, it's it's funny because it's you have so many parts to your life, and so like the comedian part of me, as a pure performer, is like you know you can step back a bit, be be a bit proud, sort of thing, and then the other, th- but then. I'm a dad, you know, I've got kids and I'm trying to provide for them. And so that, that other part is, all right, I need more work. I need more. <laughs> uh, yeah, while I'm on the topic of being a dad, I, I do like to sort of notice notice trends that are going along around town. And I've uh, noticed with guys recently, quite a lot of them have a particular type of tattoo. And what they'll have is a, a word tattooed onto their arm, uh, usually the font of choice being Old English and... Fair enough, too, because I don't think Times New Roman would quite have the same impact. So, um, well done there on the font choice. But uh, it really intrigued me, this. I kept seeing it. I wanted to know what it was all about. So I stopped one of them and I asked them. And it turns out they're just dads, really proud dads who love their kids so much. What they've decided to do is get their kid's name tattooed onto their arm. And I think that's a really beautiful thing, you know. That really touches my heart. A really lovely way to show everyone how much you love your kids. And... Being a dad myself, I also want to do something to show everyone how much I love my kids. But what I decided to do was something a little bit different. I decided to feed them and educate them. So, <laughs> life's all about options, isn't it, guys? Yeah. It's it's kind of different parts. One part of me can can stop. If that makes sense, I don't know. It sounds yeah. a bit weird, but yeah, no, part I of get me it. can stop and appreciate. But then another part is like, oh, you can't stop, like. Not, not that it sounds a bit cheesy, a bit silly. I'm not literally stopping. Yeah. But, I mean, your life just constantly got to get that next job, got to get that next job. So, 
Yeah, for sure. And does it do the two ever kind of cross over? Do you ever find yourself just being like, oh, like treating it like work and and just sort of, you know, oh, I've got to go and do this thing to actually pull in a wage? Like Well, yeah, like you know, like someone it's it's funny looking back talking about coming through and it's again, it sounds a bit silly, a bit cheesy, like a movie plot, but if you know, where they say, oh, if you could talk to your, your future self or or 10 years down the track. And so I'm thinking when I started, if I could, be, someone told me, oh, like 10 years in, you'll have this series and done tours to these places. I'd be like, oh, hell yeah. Like that, Yeah, that'll do me, you know, like, I can retire on that. And, but then when you get to that age or whatever, it's, it's not that simple. Like you can't just stop. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I guess you sort of start to realize just how far you could you can push stuff. You probably see more people pushing it in other ways as well and it it kind of fires you up to to keep doing more. Yeah, for sure, cuz like and and there's different reasons why like when you start you're like I'd just love to have something out just to show people what I can do and then it becomes like all right, now I want different things to show them the range I can do, you know? So I'm not just Ah, uh, yeah. Because I do like, I like um, pushing, sounds a bit silly, but like, you know, pushing boundaries or try to go against what people expect. Like, oh, he's going to just do the same thing again next time, you know. You finally figured it out. Can't believe it was you all along, Constable Maggie Doyle. Bloody hell. That's right. And I stole plenty of nutritious milk before you figured it out. Mama spaghetti. Like one of your highest YouTube viewed um, clips is one where you're wearing um, cornrows in your hair, listening to corn while eat, while eating corn, um, and the video is called "Guy Eating Corn." A guy with cornrows eats corn while listening to corn. It's got, it's had five hundred and forty thousand views. Um, do you ever worry that people will define you by by that role? Oh, of course. But like, see, that was from years ago. And that was like, well, I was just doing my own stuff. I wasn't collaborating with people, working with people. So just like a silly idea. I'd think, oh, I'll just do it, you know? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. With no anything production, just like a home webcam. Yeah, that's what makes it so good though. It's just so, it's yeah. so immediate. But at the same time as like now, I want to be known that I can make like better produced stuff, not just like something yeah. someone would make at home, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon you've proved that. Like I've seen, I've kind of seen the development from like the um, really like home spun stuff that you've done yourself and then like uh, higher, higher production stuff and like some of the um, hot dad stuff is like, it's like yeah. it actually works you still work really well in like high production stuff because it almost makes you, it makes Goxie stand out even more. Well, oh, I appreciate that. Well, I just, cause you worry about like, it shouldn't matter. You know, it should be like, if someone enjoys something, that's it, that's fine. But you do kind of worry about how someone's enjoying it. Like, some of those older stuff, it was kind of like being passed around. Like, oh, is this guy cooked? You know? Yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. What's and, and what I, do you think of that? Does that bother you? Or well, like I said, it's hard to say because it's. I'd be lying if I said it didn't. But at the same time, it's like, oh, if people are laughing, enjoying it, that's cool. Yep. But I want people to know that I'm a. I'm a comedian on purpose. I'm not just some, because <laughs> yeah. you know, stuff goes around the net and then yeah. you don't know if people are like, Oh, is this guy all there in the head? Yeah. Yeah. Thing? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to say why people like stuff and all that they're laughing in a nasty way, but that's the vibe I get sometimes with things, you know, where yeah, oh, check out this fat old guy singing or, yeah. you know. I guess and, it's, and I, I guess that's people that kind of don't realise that you're creating the joke. Like you are the one that's yeah. actually, you're the sort of, you are the one that's envisioning the whole thing and yeah. you're happy to be the butt of the joke if you, if, if that's the case. It's like they think that um, 
yeah, you're oblivious to it or something like that. Yeah, that's it. And and some people do ask me about how much of it is me and how much is put on. And and the funny thing is, like, I, I don't even know how to answer because, you know, like a, a lot of it is me, but then also I'm also aware that I'm doing it for comedy. So there's a little bit of exaggeration as well, if you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 for yeah, sure. So, and I think, yeah. like, um, one really kind of... Um, a subtle a subtlety that I've noticed that you do really well is um oh, particularly with those um the vice stuff you did where you were um check uh, I think it was called Goxies Australia was it with the yeah where you did like some, going to factories and stuff yeah, yeah yeah and you would you would almost like you were throwing in gags that you knew that like you you kind of knew that they were that the the person you were talking to wasn't there for for a, necessarily for a laugh like they were there to show you around yeah and you'd throw in gags for the audience that was just so like so good and these people were just sort of caught so unawares and like the the interplay between you and them is just like incredible like yeah those are some oh of, thanks for that well like yeah that was hard for me because that was my one of my first like dealing with the public when gotcha. previously things I'd filmed were like with actors. So it's very different because you know an actor wants to be there. They've signed up for it sort of thing. Yep. Whereas, yeah, I did have that element of like going to a factory, dealing with workers. And there was like some of the jokes, they weren't nasty, but they're a little bit of kind of, um, what's the right word? Like, you know, where it's like kind of, the joke's kind of on them, but not in a nasty way, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. Like, uh, for example, I was like saying, oh, you know, forget firefighters, you know, you guys that make these lollies are the real heroes, that sort of thing. Yes. Know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't say that's nasty, but it is kind of like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? Like sarcasm, I guess. Yeah, or, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was very good. And and how you um compared the the, the heroes, patronizing? The is hero- that the word? Yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. They they were heroes because they, when your kids are playing up, you can just give them lollies and. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Nah, very good. Um, I um I don't know whether I'll include this on the podcast, but I'm I'm, I'm a member of the Brushfire Girls and Boys um, group on Facebook. <laughs> um, I just wanted to know where your love of Jack Johnson and um, Gaia, the Spirit of the Earth, um, started. <laughs> oh man, some of those groups—they're like I'm in a few of them where you kind of play a character sort of thing, posting as you know, pretending to to be someone or something, but. Um, I guess, yeah, that sort of stuff, again, is, is, is similar to that. Like, not particularly nasty. I was a little bit nasty, but, you know, making fun of subcultures and things. And um, I think that's, just, a, that's a subculture that's it's fine to make fun of, like, yeah. white Byron people. Like, that's Yeah, well, I'm a big believer in the whole, you know, like, punching, punch up. Like, totally. More, more so than punch down. Like, it, it's all where the power is, so... Yeah, it's it's generally I, I don't I don't like to put a whole blanket over things, but like a lot of that is I guess uh some more well off sort of people cosplaying a little bit as <laughs> as uh you know, what do you call it? Hippies, I guess, or whatever. But um yeah, making fun of that kind of Xavier Rudd, Ben Harper, Jack Johnson sort of thing that was big 10 or 15 years ago, I guess, Byron Bay and all that. But um, So you never yeah. you never got into Jack Johnson when you were younger? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't actually. But I do, um, I get into like acoustic kind of punk sort of stuff. I don't know if you know much that that sort of stuff. but um, <laughs> uh, Not so much. Uh, like yeah. what sort of bands? Um, I guess, just trying to think. Like I guess it was like, it was um, a lot of them are into sort of like like Bruce Springsteen that sort of thing, uh, Gaslight yeah, Anthem, yeah. and then it was like Against yeah. Me, and yeah. there's this whole like kind of again, it was like ten years ago or something. There was, was a bit of an explosion of like um, older Smith Street older punk singers. Who, yeah, there was like 
older punk singers who who went solo. There was a bit of a thing. It was around, yeah. Frank Turner, have you heard of him? That sort of thing. No, nah. I don't know. Nah, it's yeah. like I got into some. I got into a lot of that '90s stuff that you've. I've heard you speak about like Fat Records and Epitaph and yeah, you know, Pennywise and um, massive Frenzel fan. But when yeah. they when they stepped off the electric gear, I kind of um, <laughs> I, I started to sort of my eyes glazed over a little bit. Yeah. Same with folk. Yeah, all that stuff. Like that was all big for me growing up, 14, 15, 16, those years. And because obviously it's like really energetic and goes with skating and whatever. When you're that age, you just don't have any time to slow down. <laughs> and then I guess just getting older and it's a, it's a cliche, but yeah, you look for a bit more um, slower music and stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. um, when you were, you were talking before about kind of playing roles like playing you know playing the role of um it, for example in the brush fire situation you're playing a kind of character um with uh your career when you you obviously i'm i'm guessing you probably started with comedy or, or sort of straight stand up earlier yeah. and then slowly moved into playing characters um for different like shows on youtube and whatnot um when did the when did you sort of acting start? Like your um yeah, playing characters more than than just stand up. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that because what I was saying before about um sort of coming through scenes and jealousy or whatever, like what why 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 am I as big as I should be and all that sort of crap? <laughs> A lot of it looking back on is like, man, like I get it now. I was didn't really have an interesting act or anything, to, you know, because when I started, you start young and like I said, there's a lot of arrogance or whatever. Just that's part of being young and a bit of a dickhead, I think. <laughs> but um, you want things to sort of, your career skyrocket and take off. You're like, oh, why am, I, why am I stuck in this local scene or whatever? But looking back, I was, yeah, I didn't really have anything because I, I, when I started, I was just, just like, yeah, started in stand-up and it was, I was young. I, was, I think I was like 21, 22, which isn't super young. Like people start younger, but it's still young enough that you haven't lived much, haven't had much experience. I didn't have much to talk about. So it was a lot, the jokes were just like a little bit of wordplay and silly, you know, it was like silly wordplay jokes and stuff. Yeah, and, like innocent sort of gags. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was just like messing around with words and whatever. and And I guess that's where like where you live a bit, it sounds a bit silly. Like, you know, people say that if there's a young politician, he hasn't lived or whatever, you know, Mm. it's it's similar to that with comedy because got nothing to talk about. And then, yeah, I guess started to work a few jobs, had kids. And then all of a sudden you, not all of a sudden, but you, you learn more about the world and your life and you've got something to talk about, but um, definitely like, yeah, starting out, looking back, I, didn't have a persona or anything really. And then it took a few years where I was comfortable to present what I present now to people, which is more closer to my actual self, you know? That's interesting. So you reckon you're almost kind of less yourself back in the day when you first started? Yeah. Yeah. I reckon that happens with a lot of acts and, and not even just comedy, a lot of like, because you, your influence is you wear your influences so heavy. So like my first stand-up sets were like very much kind of impersonating the acts that I liked, you know, and then I didn't really have my own thing and and it takes your time. I think you'll see that with bands too. Like early on, yeah, early on they're almost just crappy rip-offs of their favourite bands or whatever and then you find your your own voice. (laughs) Who were you kind of into when you were starting? Well, a big one was Mitch Hedberg. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rest in peace. Yeah, and the funny thing was it was so obvious, like I said, like looking back, but it it didn't seem a big deal to me at the time. But now I could think about where I was like just trying to like have in my own set like his little tics and 
the little, little things that they do, you know? Yeah, where like, yeah. Yeah, you, you copy it and it's like so cringy to think about. <laughs> like um, like kind of um, where he'll finish off, um, like if, if something bombs a little bit, he'll make a comment on the bomb. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally, yeah. yeah. Or, or and, be sort of self-aware about it and kind of that can be fun. <laughs> that can almost be just as funny. Yeah, and the funny thing is now that I'm experienced and if I go to a, a gig that has some acts that are just coming through and I can see that in them, you know, I'm like, where they, they just do their favorite, they do little things that they've picked up from their favorite acts and they just rip it off pretty much. <laughs> it's um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Like sometimes I can get you, like if you're looking at that with bands, I guess sometimes it can get you into a band. If, if they sound a bit like a bigger band that you kind of follow for a long time. Um, yeah. Do you think that like, there was, have you found that like with some comedians, you kind of, you can see the style that they're trying to imitate and you can kind of warm to it straight away because it's familiar? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I can pick up on things like, oh, that's that's a signature trait that that comedian has, something yep. like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, like that's what you're, I think the thing you were talking about with Hedberg is there's a, um, another comedian, Jim Gaffigan. Have you heard of him? Nah. Um, he's American, and he he'll do like say like say a joke, and then he'll pretend to be like the the audience an audience members like in a monologue, you know? Yeah. Pretend to be like a lady, like saying like "Ooh, he's rude" or something like that. Yeah, you know? and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then that's like a trait of his, and then yeah. There's a classic line I heard you. Um, that you came out with. I, I watched an old, I, I did my research. I watched an old um, stand-up set of yours that wasn't uploaded by you. Um, and you you used one of the, the lines that was, um, uh, uh, if you didn't like that, if you hate, if you didn't like that one, you're going to hate these. Something like that. I was just yeah, like, that's yeah. great. Just like, a, it's almost like a nod of the head to a cl- to the classics. Like, yeah, I think like I, I I wouldn't claim that I thought of that. I, I think I've heard that somewhere, and I just ripped it off. Yeah, which is fine. I think. <laughs> I, yeah, I I actually thought it was like really cleverly used. Like, yeah, I thought it suited that moment perfectly. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um. So what's then now that you've sort of broadened your? I guess you've. Yeah, you've kind of expanded your comedy from just straight stand-up stuff and you're quite aware of like wanting to show that you've got breadth. And uh, yeah, I was kind of curious to know what your sort of plan is or where you're working towards now with comedy. Um, well, like, yeah, just obviously you just want more work. So that's that's, that's the, a pretty that's obvious a priority. Thing, I guess, but yeah. Yeah, but there's always an aim to you want it to be quality. You, know, you want to improve. Like it'd be nice to just keep making stuff that's better than what you previously did. But at the same time, you also have to be busy as well and actually working. Yep. So it's not always going to be the case where every next thing is going to be better than the previous. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And there's also that worry of like, oh, you know, keeping keeping in people's minds. You know, if you if you don't, you know, oh, it's been a while since you put something out. People might forget about you, sort of thing, because there's like a lot of competition out there for for people's attention, isn't there? Do you think that's imagined? Like, I've wondered that whether, like, same same deal with bands. Like, if you release a a record and you haven't released one for a few years. You feel like, oh, people kind of, you know, there's lots of other stuff going on, and we haven't really been in the scene for a while. Should we do something yeah. else? I don't, I don't know. I, I wonder whether that's kind of just an internal feeling. Like, I sort of think, like when I see a band with a new record pop up, but the first thing I think is not like, oh, geez, like I haven't heard from them in a while. It's, it's usually just like, yeah. oh, yep, sweet, something new, cool, like. Yeah, but see. I agree with that, but also like you have ones that are like really well loved, and if they come back, you know, everyone there's yeah. a lot of buzz. Like, oh, first record in ten years. Yeah, but there's not there's not one hard and fast rule for everyone. See, and that's the thing is like 
there is some who, like, I think momentum is a real thing where you, if you're building a, a kind of like a career, even though, you know, people try to avoid those businessy sort of terms, don't they, career or whatever. But yeah, it, yeah. in a way, it's true. Like, and that's what I was saying earlier about. I think it's because career's yeah. not funny. The idea of a career is not very humorous. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. When I was young, I had all my punk rock ideals and stuff, and I was like, oh, like looking down on the veterans who like turn my nose and I'm like the ones who, you know, do the cruise ships or whatever. Like, oh, how could you do it as a job? And yeah. And now that I'm older, I'm like really respect that because I'm like, it's, it's bloody tough, you know, like going out there each night with that energy that people don't, you got to make it seem like you, you haven't done this. Yeah. Every night, you know, and you got to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, yeah, I kind of have the same same vibe. It's like if you um, you can't really criticise older dudes that have sort of, or, or women that have lived through it, uh, or people yeah. that have kind of gone through all the hard work and just like, yeah, yeah. it's sort of, um, they can do what they want by that point. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I think um, with whatever you want to call it, arts, entertainment, whatever um, that you know, what I'm talking about music, comedy, anything, acting. Yeah, anything that's not like your regular day job, kind of. Thing. Yeah, there's a tendency with that stuff to like to sort of oh, it should it should be leisure, or it should be a hobby, like which I which should be bullshit, I reckon, because it's like you know, it's like oh, that that's that shouldn't be a job, but it's like well. It's kind of like, well, why not? You know, if if the person is putting their life into it, yeah, like why shouldn't it be a career or a job? <laughs> yeah, when a lot of the times those people making that saying that aren't putting their life into their career either. Like, yeah, they're spending their and, time doing it, but their heart and soul isn't in anything to do with their work. Yeah, and like when I was coming through and started getting my first gigs or whatever, and, and there's always there was a lot of like there was a lot of discussion as there always is about sort of underpaid, all that sort of stuff, you know, like, like what are, what are venues paying or whatever. And, and when I was coming through my, my first thought was kind of like, Oh, if anyone gives me a gig, I'm stoked sort of thing. And, and cause you, you sing it the wrong way, you know? And then yeah, as time went on, I was like, Oh no, like they're, they're selling tickets, they're selling drinks and you know, they're a business of course. We deserve a bit, you know? <laughs> yeah, particularly, I suppose at the time too, it's like hard to va- put a value on yourself. Like it's hard to yeah. say like, oh, I'm going to be worth this much money to the venue over the bar tonight. Like you just don't know those things until you've done it for a few years. Yeah, totally. That's that's it. You, uh, How long have you been in Ballarat now for? Uh, around about three years, I think it is now. Yeah. Well, before that, were you? Did you go straight from Brizzy to Ballar- uh, Brizzy to Ballarat, or did you live in Melbourne for a bit? Yeah, my first move was Melbourne, so I went Brizzy to Melbourne. Um, I was living in Preston, northern suburbs, and that was about a year there. And then, yeah, I moved up to Ballarat. So yeah, it was a pretty, pretty quick sort of progression. It was like. Um. Yeah, move move down to kind of kick things off with with comedy. You know, with Melbourne being a, a bigger city than Brizzy, and now I'm in a smaller town than Brizzy. So <laughs> Did Brizzy have much of a scene at the time? Nah, that's that's kind of that's why I had to get out because like, well, like in but like on one hand, gig wise, you know, wasn't really getting gigs, but then even more so because I wanted to get the other stuff kicking off like acting and that so i just figured like down south there's more channels more people working on stuff all that sort of stuff interstate than there was in brisbane so yeah and that probably proved to be pretty beneficial too judging on the amount of stuff you kind of came out with after that oh yeah like i don't i don't think I would have done a lot of it if I stayed in Brisbane because you you know there might have been the odd thing where they'd say all right we'll fly you down or, or whatever but generally people want you to live where the thing is that they want you to work on I reckon <laughs> if we didn't have um lockdowns and if COVID wasn't a thing and 
and you got the offer to work in LA or go to LA, would you ever live overseas, take the kids overseas and sort of <laughs> relocate or like, yeah, would you, are you always going to sort of firmly plan oh. in Australia? Oh, it's a tough one. You know, I haven't really thought about it because I'm pretty much Australian sort of based, but yeah. well, I mean, not pretty much I am, but <laughs> But I mean, in terms of demographics that are uh, into me yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But um, oh, of course, it'd be, it'd be sort of tempting, you know, because mm. that's kind of the mecca of entertainment or whatever, isn't it? You know. Mm. But yeah. But also, like, want to be close to my family, and my kids. So it, it's a tough one. But yeah, for sure. It'd be tempting. <laughs> Have they got any um, inkling towards comedy? Um, yeah, a little bit. I think, um, try and keep them away from it as much as possible. (laughs) Try and steer them into something more secure. (laughs) Yeah. It it is, it's a very weird thing to get into. You know, a lot of people ask, are very intrigued. A lot of like, like, how do you do it? And how do you, how do you get the actual work? And I don't even really have an answer. It's just... Keep try and keep it all going. Yeah, you know? it sounds so, like your mentality is kind of just be there, like be in a position or be in a place or be like constant enough that you 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 people are talking about. Yeah, people are seeing you, and yeah. like you've you've kind of got an op- opportunities just pop up if you're there. Yeah, which is a pretty good way to do it. Just just keep everything rolling, like film some stuff tour a bit try and hopefully people buy a bit of merch and things just keep rolling along hopefully that's the plan (laughs) so with like um with the podcast is that um something that you're gonna kind of do for a long do you see that as a long game thing do you reckon you'll you'll throw a bit of energy into that um yeah constantly yeah i would love to you know it's uh as long as it's like because the model of having a guest on sort of thing, I guess it relies on to be able to keep having interesting guests and things. So yeah. hopefully we can keep that rolling along and have enough to talk about and stuff. And that, I think that would be, I would want to wrap it up if, if I just found that I'm not talking about anything good or interesting anymore and, and, it, and it became boring or. Yeah. Yep. I wasn't really happy with what I was doing. As soon as it so, as, as soon as yeah. it hits a wall, you you um you pull the pin. Yeah, definitely. That's and that's the thing is like, only do what you're enjoying or or do things for the right reason. You know. Um, you played footy for a year in reserves in Ballarat. Do you are you still playing at all? Nah. Well, the seasons have been. The comps have been scrapped up here for this year, but I don't think I would have played anyway because, yeah, I'm just just find it difficult. I'm out of shape, and um, yeah, I, it's like it's hard to do anything if your if your heart isn't like hundred percent in it. And I like sports and stuff, but I'm not committed to it, so I find it difficult. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we've only got a certain amount of time in the day, and pot- yeah. potentially, uh, especially since you're. Um, you're dadding it as well. I can imagine that takes up a massive portion of your time. Yeah, and like I've always loved sports and given them a go, but I've never been great. And I found that like years ago when I kind of stopped and that's when the comedy started to improve. So I I do think you can't sort of give your attention to too many things in your life or, or one might suffer. So... It gave sport the flick. And <laughs> I was talking to Jay and he said you've got a classic story um, that you may or may not want to share on the podcast, I don't know, about a scam uh, you did on Pizza Hut. <laughs> yeah, that was um, – I think enough time has passed now. That's all right <laughs> to you. But, um, Sick. I wasn't – yeah, it was, it's, it's not something I'm very proud of, but I, like I said, I was, I was young. This is a long time. I'm a bit of an old bloke now. I'm 35. This was – um straight out of high school. So it was like circa 03, I think, around then. Yeah. So I think a fair bit of water's passed under the bridge, but... Um, There's been a few, yeah, pow- few Powderfinger albums since then. 
Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I worked at the call centre and I um, was, you know, obviously things happen in businesses and people complain and, you know, and people are like, oh, there was a hair on my pizza or didn't have enough toppings or, you know, that sort of stuff. And so um, what a lot of companies do is is give them credit, right? So like, oh, you've got 15 bucks worth of pizza to your name or 20 or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 So anyway, people would call up and um, so the call center was like, obviously, you know, what a call center looks like is computers all that. Anyway, yeah. when someone would call, um, it would come up on the screen, like all their details, their address number and that. And it would say when the person had the credit to their name, right? I think you can see where this is going, you know? So it'd say like Smith, whatever. 10 Thompson Road, blah, 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 20 bucks credit. And so, like, often they'd want to use it and they'd use it and that's fine. But then sometimes they wouldn't. So I would write down, like, their name, phone number. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and the way to use it was, like, go to a phone, bo- phone box, public phone, whatever, whatever you call it, pay phone, is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's how old I am. There's none of them around anymore. But, <laughs> but yeah, I'd use one of them. And so it would come up on the computer screen, like no details would come up, right? Because it's a public phone. Uh, and then I'd say, all right, I'm, I'm Thompson or whatever the name I said before, Smith. <laughs> I want to use my 20 bucks credit at this shop. And then, yeah, and then I used it. <laughs> and it got away over the ages. Then I eventually got caught and fired and <laughs> in big trouble. So How'd they catch so, you? Not something I'm proud of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a it's a lesson. Um, I think it was so. Memory's pretty sc- sketchy, but um. So one of my mates was working there, right? And I think he answered, and then like the one that got me done, and I think like so the call center is like the managers are in like a fishbowl, you know, like a yeah, you know, a little room that's got glass or whatever, so they can see out into the, the call, the office, call center office. And so they see him reacting as he, as you would when a mate calls and laugh and smile and whatever. So either they followed it from that or they, you know, maybe they tuned into the call, that sort of thing yeah. or, or something. And yeah. I guess they also, and they probably asked for CCTV footage at the, at the shop, something like that. They followed it anyway, and that, that's how they got me. <laughs> but um, yeah, got away with it for like ages. So that's a good score. <laughs> no, I guess it's um, you. It's a thrifty it's, little scam. Yeah, like yeah, it was it was, it was pretty bad. But like as, as crimes go, it's not it's not that major. But um, exactly, no one know, no one like, was hurt. Yeah, and it, and it's like twenty bucks worth of pizzas is probably like two bucks of food <laughs> something like that. let's be honest yeah who are the real criminals in this yeah exactly but yeah young it was a bit of a smart aleck back then <laughs> um i also have read that you were um you've done some air tasker work over the years as well have you got yeah. have you got any interesting um uh tasks you have had to do any any weird ones um oh geez not well, one time for Halloween, I had to deliver all these watermelons. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, that was weird. So I was like, I had to go to a fruit shop. And and because, you know, they're a particular type. It was like, um, and I, it was a shop in Hawthorne had it, fruit shop. I had to go there, get them, drive them all into this into the city for like some office Halloween parties. That was a pretty weird one. A particular type of watermelon. Um, oh, wait, sorry, not watermelon, pumpkin. Oh. <laughs> Why am I saying watermelon? Yeah, I was like, I'm like, that's bizarre for Halloween. No, no, sorry. I was like, it was, I knew it was a fruit or vegetable, a big, big one, like <laughs> pumpkin, sorry. Yeah, it was pumpkin. <laughs> well, I was like, I can't be expected. It's some stupid American tradition, you know. In like, but yeah, like I've never, you, we, don't, we don't do the pumpkin thing in Australia, really, do we, you know? Nah, nah. Only recently, I think, they've started to try and sort of get Halloween. Yeah. Halloween was never popping when I was a kid. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that was a task. I had to get heaps of them. So I filled my boot up with, like, 10 pumpkins or whatever. <laughs> 
and I, was, I had to go to the shop to get the particular type. I was in Hawthorne, yeah. So that was a pretty weird one. But, yeah, that's um, good. Other than that, it's, it's a lot of that uh, memory suppressing that I talked about <laughs> earlier because of, there's some bad experiences of just like, like for example, like doing like weeding, gardening sort of thing. Yeah. And, and you just get there and it's like such a ripoff, you know, it's like massive and, and they, because the person puts like what they think it's worth and then oh, I no. usually put... Yeah, it's like a massive backyard and it's like 60 bucks and it takes you all day and just a lot of that. That's why I repressed the memories, but yeah. Did you ever, yeah. and sorry to dig into your repressed bits, but did anyone ever kind of crack it with you when you'd say like, did you ever Did you ever sort of go, oh, look, no, this is this is probably not really worth what it's what you've said here? Um. Yeah, it was. I was too. I was too much of a coward to like raise that. I, I just copped, copped it mostly. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there, there was. Um, oh yeah, I, I, I had a couple of run-ins with people where, um, I didn't finish it off properly or whatever, and and they refused to pay or they were angry or weren't happy with the job. But, um, a lot of it, a lot of it was all right. It was fine. Yeah. <laughs> I saw um, there was a classic, um, uh, you'll have to keep your eye on the news tonight about it, but they, um, they were talking about fines that they've given out to a few people in, the, in Melbourne that have been breaking the rules overnight. And they, um, there's a, a ripper that um, uh, out in, I think it was in Dandenong, they, um, the cops were at the KFC. Did you hear about that story? Yeah, well, I actually just read it before, like just... <laughs> It was like uh, just before we started, yeah. And they um they they followed two people who had ordered like twenty people's worth of KFC, <laughs> <laughs> and staked them back to their house. And then they found there was a party and, and fined everyone in the joint. And yeah. on the you have to watch, try and find the um the press conference of it. But the the minister or the the cop head cop or whatever tries to make a gag, and he's just like, you know, it's a very expensive night when you think. Apart from the KFC, we've issued sixteen infringements at that amount. Um, that's twenty six thousand dollars that birthday party's costing them. That's a heck of a birthday party to recall. And I'll remember that one for a long time. Oh god, yeah. Very good. Very leave, good. leave it to us professionals to do the jokes, all right? <laughs> exactly. I, I think a lot of people find that comedy is not as easy as they think. You know, it's like, ah, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like a end of year Chrissy party, and it's like, ah, oh, here's give the mic to and some bloke thinks he's so funny, and it's just no, yeah. <laughs> How many and all the um, best mans at weddings and stuff. Find out it's, it's not such an easy thing. Nah, it's pretty painful. Do you ever watch any of them and just laugh at them squirm when they're put in that position? <laughs> or do you wish? Oh, they, or do you wish that they just asked you to do it? Yeah, oh, just a little bit of like, yeah. See, it's not so easy. <laughs> oh man, there's a classic um, Craig McLaughlin doing stand-up on the Rugby League footy show. Oh, shit. It's about 10 years ago now. Look it up on YouTube. Oh, look it up. Check One Two was huge. And overnight in the mosques right throughout Iraq, this is absolutely true, they called it Mona Madness in the Middle East. The chanting in the mosques changed overnight to this sort of thing. No, I'm not kidding. coming over there but listen Friday Friday week Parramatta you guys have got the details you want more footy all right Craig thanks very much Craig McLaughlin good bloke go and see him on the 18th of March Riverside Theatre at the big last
that, that's one where I'm just like, I, I'm not often like this, but like, you know, like stay in your lane sort of thing. <laughs> like, cause that's like someone who's obviously like he's done theater and yeah, obviously yeah. great actor. And it's just like, he's just gone. Yep. Stand up, I can do it. And, and you're just like, yeah, it's not as easy as you think, mate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's um, probably not a bad place to leave it, dude. Thanks uh, heaps for spending the time to have a yarn. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. Like um, I wanted to come in, but, yeah, all this all this stuff is no good at the moment, but hopefully we get through it. Agreed. I'll talk to you soon, man. All right, bye. Catch up. First time recording an outro. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. If you're into it, please rate and review it and subscribe to it and share it with a friend if you know anyone that would get into it. Uh, Thanks to Hot Dad Productions for letting me use some audio from some of Goxie's stuff. Thanks to Nick Ryan Clenny for his theme work at the start on the trumpet and the organ. And thanks to you for listening. Have a bloody great day.